are. Uh, it's uh, Northfield uh, Fire Chief Tom Nelson. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I brought Rich Larson in here to be our uh, color commentator. Uh, you know, just to, <laughs> just just to say, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. on top of my <laughs> things. And <laughs> once again, we got to figure out what's going on with the the play schedule here because I was told it's seven twenty and. It keeps blowing into 722, and that, or I either got to reset my alarm a little bit and sleep in a little. Well, more. we had to talk about Raider girls hockey. No, and that um, that was a good, you know, that, good coverage. I thought that, yeah. and you hear it's going to be streamed, yeah. and the Carlton mm-hmm. coach is going to call. No, that's kind of exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. is it Carlton coach? Saint Olaf coach. Saint Olaf coach. Saint Olaf will be on the uh, yeah. be on the call. So we've got that. We got a lot of things going on. We it's apologize. A busy place. Yeah. No, so, no, yeah. I'll, I don't take it personally because you know everything's about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time management isn't always our strongest. That's all right. Here. That's you know, I we asked when uh, we were going over what we're going to talk about um, before we went on the air here, and Tom said, you know, the first thing we're going to talk about is trees. And I'm like, um, trees, fire. I guess they are made of wood, which is kind of firing, but uh, kind of fiery. Could <laughs> oh, be fiery. Oh, good one there, yeah. yeah. Um, but trees, why are we talking about trees, so that's, Mr. Uh, we, Mr. Fire Chief? Thank you. On Monday night, we were washing all the trucks down for our after our training, mm-hmm. and we started looking at it. It's like, where'd that big scratch down the side of that truck come from? Mm-hmm. And and so what it, we all kind of talked about is and they said, hey, Tom, mention this when you're on the radio. One of those things that people don't think about when they're driving out, especially out in the townships, is when you have a driveway and you don't keep the tree canopy clear, and then we need an ambulance, even our, our small rescue trucks, like, wow, that's a big scrape down, is if you want the fire department to be able to get into your property, you got to have the tree canopy cleared to 13.6, which is a normal you know, truck height uh to be able to get in there. And then also, and this is the time of year, too, where it's a good time to do it. There's not a lot of foliage on it, and apparently it's a good time of the year to be pruning. Cut it back and also be thinking about spring will be coming sooner than we think, probably, and that if your driveway isn't doesn't have any good rock base on it, that this is the time, or at least to line it up um, before road restrictions go on and get another few loads in so we want to be able to get to your property and so i thought we should at least jump into that before we went too far so all right things to keep in mind 13 6 13 6 is that what the clearance is on the uh the, the tallest truck the tallest truck and that's the standard uh like semi going down the road is 13 6 mm-hmm. so that's okay a, it sounds really cool to throw that number out. it does 13 6 yes. it's like the 575 five. <laughs> i get those there confused. it is right 220 221 yeah, whatever whatever it takes <laughs> whatever it takes uh all right well there you have it we've talked about trees <clears throat> now let's talk about important things uh you had a what a joint powers meeting yes um, or not no well kind of so it's we I always come in uh, to talk to you guys on uh, the Thursday following the Thursday we have our joint powers board meeting. This one, uh, you know, because the weather's been so cold, everyone's been traveling, and so we ended up that we didn't have a quorum uh, for the meeting, but we had a good portion of the members there, and so we decided to kind of turn it into a work session. Um, and one of the things that we talked about was um, we had a fire uh, up in Rich's neighborhood. Um, on Eliana Drive, where we had um, a 6.30 in the morning. And, and, you know, it's always good to have that neighbor, uh, you know, that they walk up, the TV reporter walks up to the neighbor and they say, 
oh, the neighbor was really quiet. You know, I can't believe this ever happened. So Rich was like the neighbor. So well, what would be your, if I come to you and say, what happened that morning? So it's 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday, and I'm sound asleep because I, you know, it's, I, 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 Saturday's my one morning to sleep in. And I, there's bumping all over the place. I'm, I'm in a, a townhouse on the second floor of corner unit. My, my bedroom is the second floor. I hear this bumping. And I'm, is there somebody in my house? And I heard it and then went, well, whatever. And I went back to sleep. 20 minutes later, I'm hearing talking and I'm thinking, is, is that a radio? What, what? So I get out of my bed and I look out the, uh, the shades of my window and there are fire trucks everywhere i mean there's there's flashing red lights there's 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 firefighters well, turning into like a, a 12 year 12 year old boy it was it was apocalyptic <laughs> it was so cool <laughs> it was crazy like you know the first thought obviously is oh my god is my house on fire but it's uh it, all the trucks were pointed away from me so okay my house isn't on fire that's good but someone's is so quick throw on some clothes walk outside walk out my front door and the hook and ladder truck is 10 feet from my front door in the in the next driveway and i'm what is going on and uh so i i i start looking around well now i find tom tom's standing across the street and i walk up to him and i say hey what's happening i live right there and he just looked at me and said and it took you this long to get here. <laughs> we can always count on you. Now, how long had you been at the fire? Breaking news here on KYMN. <laughs> how long had you been at well, the fire? The note of the thing is, I almost want to say, Rich, that was yesterday morning. <laughs> so, how this all pulls together at the Joint Powers Board, um, we decided to take a little time. Um, so, when, when we have those meetings, both assistant chiefs, Jesse Faust and Sean Simonson, are there. And I said, why don't we take some time and let's go through kind of this um, Eliana fire call. And so Sean Simonson was first there. So he walked the board through what is it? what happens when the first person, the first officer gets there? What do they do? What do we mm. see? What are we communicating? And so um, it was up on the board. And, um, and, of course, you know, since we had the time, I didn't feel like we were – not going to be doing board action. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it went really well. And Sean was able to walk through and they were able to ask questions and say, well, how would you do this if it was in the country or how would it? Um, and then I was able to, after Sean kind of went through, what did we do? How did it go? Then I talked about having the Minnesota State Fire Marshal's fire investigator up to look at why this happened. And I was able to walk the board through what they found um, as we went through the building of what a certain built-in um, fan in a wall that's part of the construction must have seized up and started on fire, hmm. an exhaust fan. And so we were able to walk through it and say, oh, okay, look at this, look at where it landed, why is it when the firefighters got there they saw fire here? Um, and so the whole cause and determination we don't have a lot of experience with because, A, we don't have a lot of fires, and if there is anything, we always call the state fire marshal in. Yeah. So I was able to walk the board through. This is, you know, first we do the thing, then we call the state, we bring them in. Um, and then a cool part uh, that Jesse Faust was able to talk about is we had a meeting that following Monday, um, and we did a change-up of our training. We had um, an external fire instructor that comes in, and I said, I want you to walk us through an after-action of this. So we were able to take the, the whole departments there, and we were able to go through it with the drawings and say, what did you guys do first? What did you do this? What did you see? What went wrong? 
And went wrong doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, the whole house burnt down. Mm-hmm. What would you have done differently? Mm-hmm. And so the whole department was able to say, oh, you know, we maybe should have put this truck closer or we maybe should have done this or that. Um, so it was good for the board to hear our process of, we do we put the fire out. This is how we do it to find out, is there something, you know, first the, the, the fire marshal comes in to make sure it's not um, something nefarious. That's the big thing. Was it arson? Was it not? And then we figure out, try to what kind of is the cause. And then the private insurance companies will come in afterwards and say, oh, whose fault was it for this or this or this piece of equipment? But then to go through with the board and say, then we had an after action to make sure that we are learning from everything we do because we don't have that many working fires anymore, sure. which is a great thing. But you got to learn learn from those. The uh, uh, the one thing I will say that the, the, the sort of the scuttlebutt in the neighborhood is, hey, uh, the firewalls on either side of that townhouse did their jobs. Like there, there were there were people in ne- next door in, on on either side, and uh, my neighbor uh, said that uh, she was just starting to wonder why her house smelled smelled like smoke when the police knocked on her door. So I, that. That was a good thing. Yeah, and that was really cool. What I went and I'm going to be following up with, I met with Mike Morehouse, the building official in Northfield, and I said, let's just do a sit down because I want to show some pictures for your building inspectors. This is why we all collectively have to make sure those are solid because really for the on the other side of the, um, so it was a center core unit of four. And that one is, there's a lot of structural damage in there because it was unoccupied and it burned for a long time before someone saw it walking outside and calling it in. So um, it was a substantial fire up into the attic, but the buildings, you know, the the adjacent townhomes, they're none the wiser. Yeah. And so we got everything put out and it was like, okay, you three other units, go back, finish your breakfast. So that's the key that most people don't see um in construction when you drive by is that building codes in minnesota and you know nationwide but really in minnesota are very good about um townhomes twin homes to make sure that the fire stays in that unit and doesn't go either side so that it it all worked out like you know as bad as it is it could have been way worse no one was hurt um and three people three families got to just go right back inside the the thing i learned about that uh, situation too Jeff, is that if there is a fire in your neighborhood, as things are winding down, if you bring the firefighters food, they are really appreciative of that. <laughs> well, after really, fighting a fire, you know, yeah. well, like a situation like this, uh, you know, those guys are out there early in the morning, haven't had breakfast yet, yeah. had to get out of bed. And, well, that's yeah. part of my job. It's it's actually fire chief, fire code official, director of catering. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> part of my job when things are kind of settled down is I'll say, I'm going to run and pick up some food or something. So... Back in the day, it used to be when we'd have a fire, um, let's say, over in Lonsdale, in the Lonsdale rural area, and we would mutual aid over there. We'd be all working on a barn, and people, it was like it turned into a potluck. Sure. All the other people brought food, and they spread it out, their sandwiches, and so. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah. Let's switch gears. We got a few more minutes. I want to talk numbers, some statistics. Yeah. So, uh, so you've got your numbers from twenty uh, twenty three uh, that are in on what type of uh, calls and such that uh, you get. Uh, tell us about those. Yeah. So one of the things you know. So we've got two years of really solid data, and when I say that, I mean one of the things that we never really had information on for many years is if there was a fire alarm somewhere we would turn around and then they call and say never mind it's you know burnt food whatever 
uh, we would turn around and go back to the station, and the way those get coded are just called canceled en route. And so what that means is you've got this big block of calls that you were canceled on that you don't have any data to know why. Um, so one of the things we did, it was like February, I think, of 22, we said, someone's going to go. If it's, a, if it's me as chief, if it's one of the chief officers or the first truck, you're going to go, you're going to you know cut to routine, you're going to go and you're going to talk to Carlton Security or Malto Meal or whatever and say, what happened? Let's go look. Oh, it was a smoke alarm. We had um, one where once a month we'd have a fire alarm at Laura Baker Services. Mm. And so cancel and route, turn around, come home. So we started going there, and it ended up finding in 22 that, and then we did the printout report. It was one detector in one of the buildings too close to the kitchen, and that one would get set off. So working with the code said, that one doesn't need even need to be there because there's a sprinkler system. So that cut calls. So um, what we were able to do with, with the report that I have that I just handed you folks is that um, half of our calls are false alarms as of one kind or another. And that's anything from, you know, burnt food, CO alarm in a residence, um, unintentional alarms, or, um, or a malfunction. So then to be able to go through and, and tally, so I broke it out first by all types of properties, and it says in, in 22 and in 23 it was about half our calls. And then we, I broke it down by, okay, what about residential properties? Because that's where we're more concerned about because that's where people sleep. So that incorporate, it incorporates single-family homes, apartment buildings, dorms. Uh, any of those are classified as residential. And so that shows about maybe 50 of our alarms are from businesses. The rest are coming from residentials. And then if you turn it over, we broke it down to single-family homes. And just an interesting trend between 22 and 23 is most of our calls to homes are either carbon monoxide detectors or smoke alarms and those those don't change i mean we're not there's not much you can do except education to say oh if it's a co alarm replace them um but those pretty much stay the same so we that's part of our public education if they're over 10 years old replace them change the batteries um and we we keep preaching that the big one where we were able to make a big dent in call response, false alarms, was um, at the colleges. So we broke it down by dormitory properties, um, basically between the colleges, um, mainly over at Carleton. Um, of our 420 calls in 2022, 40 of them were between the campuses. So we've really worked hard in 22 and early 23 to make sure that we say, Let's find out why and determine is the system working well because what would be happening is somebody burns food in a dorm room and then the whole building gets evacuated and then you end up crying wolf. So we've, we've, Carlton has done a lot of work with us to say let's make sure that we're not doing that if it's not required and we've dropped those numbers a lot. So being able to have good data and being able to crank it out in different ways, um, one of the, the goals of my job from the Joint Powers Board is reduce unwanted call responses because then you're calling people from work from home for calls that you don't need to be there and that gets to the point where then you end up having to look at doing a duty crew or a full-time department so coming at it this way and say let's reduce calls so this is just one way of, of being able to use the data as a tool 
um, to be able to get us where we're trying to be of getting called when we when we're needed and we're going to do some good. Have, have you noticed? Uh, do you have data uh, collected yet that uh, actually? You can see how much uh, you've reduced calls and such? Oh, yeah. I mean, just the total number mm-hmm. of going from 420 in 22 to 380 mm-hmm. um, is data. And then even so far in January, um, January of, of 22, I'm sorry, January of 23, we had 45 calls. And January of 24, we had 28. Hmm. Um, rescue calls were 25 last um in January of 23 and 14 and 24. So mm-hmm. again, trying to get it by using our tools to make it work. If we're getting called, let's make it that we're going to do some good and not just drive and turn around. Mm-hmm. All right, Tom, we are out of time. We always seem to fill the time, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, it's certainly much appreciated and we will uh, see you back next month. Sounds good. All right.